tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Atari Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. So no further ado, uh, probably from the standpoint of him, one of the real easy decisions that I've had to make in my time with the Dallas Cowboys was to have Dak Prescott as a future uh, regarding the quarterback position of the Dallas Cowboys. That is Jerry Jones, Dak Prescott, the quarterback of the future for the Cowboys. And uh, that was a smart decision, I think, on many levels for Jerry and maybe just had to make it. But uh, I think the Cowboys uh, did right. I, I don't have a lot of criticism for that one. I don't know if their other moves are going to pay off. I think they're going to get stuck in the pocketbook a little bit, but maybe they can move money around. But I think at some point the Amari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott uh, deals are going to hurt the Cowboys. I don't think the Dak Prescott one will, and you have to invest in the QB. The Cowboys did uh, exactly that. Brent Martineau here at the Players' Championship. We've got our whole crew out here, Marcel Robinson, Stuart Weber. Uh, we have some TV tonight, uh, 6.50 coming up live from the Players, and then all the uh, action later tonight on our Action Sports Jacks at the Players special. That's at 11.15 on CBS 47 and Fox 30. And that happens at 11.15 tonight and tomorrow. And then, of course, we have Action Sports Shacks Primetime half-hour editions covering the players both on Saturday and Sunday night, 10.30 on Fox 30, 11.30 on CBS 47. How about the job Noah did? It was good to have Noah Schlicks up here. That was really a lot of fun. He's talented now. Uh, he's got a bright future. He puts a lot of work into it, and he's really passionate about it. And that's what it takes in this business and probably a lot of businesses and every line of work if you want to be good. And uh, he certainly has that, so we wish him luck. And it was really cool to get his story. What a neat story it is. And uh pretty cool young man. And Noah Schlick's up. We appreciate the whole family uh, for letting him come out here today and hang out with us here at the Players' Championship TPC Sawgrass, where Sergio Garcia is in the lead here at the Players' I don't. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> I didn't see Sergio. Sergio Garcia feels like he's just been off the radar for so long. Did not see Sergio Garcia in the lead. Well, seven under sixty-five. He was brilliant today. And uh, by the way, playing in a group with Rory McIlroy, and McIlroy did not play well. And that's one of the stories here at the Players Championship, where some of the big name guys did not play good golf uh, today. Brian Harmon. In second place now, he's five under. Matthew Fitzpatrick, Corey Connors, uh, Shane Lowry. They are in a group tied for third at four under, so three shots back. Lee Westwood and a bunch of players at three under. And then two under, there's really a lot of guys. Morikawa and Spieth in that mix. Harold Varner, the third in that mix. Phil Mickelson, Billy Horschel, one under. Justin Thomas, one under. Find your name, whoever you picked in Fantasy Golf for your pick of the week. Russell Knox, a local guy, one under par, so that's perfect right now. Again, if you're one under par, if you're even, you don't even think about Sergio. You think about that group that's like four under, and you're just right there in the mix. I mean, that is perfect here in day one of the Players' Championship. Even look at a guy like Tyler McCumber. He's even. Shot a 72. Victor Hovland did as well. 
So uh, Bubba Watson even through 12, Patrick Reed even through 15, some of those afternoon guys. But if you really keep going down the board and you've got some disappointed golfers, John Rahm, who many people pick to win a tournament like this, he's won over through 15, can't be happy with that right now, but he still has time to bring it home and, and get it under. Dustin Johnson, two over after 14. You know, DJ, number one in the world, but he's only had one top 10 finish here at the Players' Championship which is a bit surprising, but that's the case. Zach Johnson, three over today. We talked about him earlier in the show. Matt Kuchar, a former champ, four over 76. Hideki Matsuyama led this thing last year in the only round that was played with a 63. His round one, a year later, how about a 76? 13 shots different. Ricky Fowler's really struggling, folks. Five over par, 77. He's kind of what Jordan Spieth has been the last three years up until this recent rise. Ricky Fowler's in that kind of slump now. He is like 67th in the world rankings and not a factor at all. The one-time winner of the Players' Championship back in 2015, he shoots a 5 over 77 in round one. Very disappointing. Tony Finau, 78. Rory McIlroy, 79. He almost touched 80. And a couple players did. Brian Gay, former Florida Gator, shot 80. Kyle Stanley shot 83. Ben Ahn shot 83. Had an 11 on the 17th hole. An 11 on the 17th hole. He was 8 over par there. The rest of the round wasn't so bad. Henrik Stenson, an 85. He's won this thing before. Hasn't Stenson won this thing before? Yeah, I think Stenson's won this thing before. 85, his worst professional round. He had shot 83 on a couple occasions. He shoots 85 today. Wow. Some rough days out there for some big names that you know. And some surprises on the course with some... Big names that you know but probably didn't think could even sniff contention. Phil Mickelson, one under. Sergio Garcia in the lead here at the Players' Championship. Our Players' Championship coverage brought to you by Talon Wealth Management. That's an update on the scoreboard here on a Thursday, a beautiful Thursday at that, here at TPC Sawgrass in Ponte Vedra. Hey, let's hit the happy hour horn here on a Friday, on a, a Thursday. Plenty of people doing that early here on a Thursday evening in Ponte Vedra. Ah, Vida de Louis. Check out VidaDeLouis.com for a way to find out how you can get a bottle of Vida de Louis tequila. Taste the islands in every drop at Vida de Louis. Imported directly from Tequila, Mexico to Jack's Beach. Vida de Louis, the only locally owned tequila in Jack's Beach. Support local tribe, Vida de Louis. Award-winning, smooth, all-natural, no aldehydes, which means wake up feeling good. The next morning, visit VidaDeLouis.com. Brent Mortno here at the Players' Championship, uh, along with the entire Action Sports Jack's team. We started the show and talked about this a little bit uh, earlier on. There's uh, nothing major going on in the NFL today outside of, I think, the big news would be Kansas City and Fisher and Schwartz being let go. Think about this from a Kansas City Chiefs perspective. They signed Patrick Mahomes to like this half-a-billion-dollar deal. They win a Super Bowl. They go to the Super Bowl again, but they really take a beating from that defensive front of Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl, the Bucks go on to win. So after taking a beating, you'd think, okay, they got to upgrade that offensive line. Now they get a bit of bad luck, right? Eric Fisher with the Achilles, they got banged up. I, I think 
They didn't even have their starting five or most of it from the original starting five of the season. They just didn't have depth. So you're like, well, they got to build depth just in case this happens again. And then they go out today because of the way the cap is built right now at $182 million, And where they are against the cap, they let go of Fisher, $11 million. They let go of Schwartz. I think he was a $5 million cap casualty or maybe seven. I think it was seven. And so you clear $18 million and you have no bookends. Your left tackle, your right tackle gone after that performance in the Super Bowl. If I'm in Kansas City right now, I'm like, okay, what is the game plan? And I'm sure they have one. Uh, and and this might have been the right time to get rid of Fisher because of the Achilles. He had it so late in the year, and that is one of the toughest injuries in sports to come back from, at least immediately. You really got to give that thing time. And so there's a thought that Fisher might not be ready for camp for sure, might not be ready for the start of the season, and then how good will he be in this upcoming 2021 season? So some of the logic is there to say, all right, this is the time to do it. we got to cut bait with some of these guys because of the salary cap, so we're going to do it. But if I'm in Kansas City now, I'm wondering, okay, what the plan, what's the plan? You know, What are we doing here? What's the left tackle, right tackle going to look like? Heck, we now need starters. Forget about depth just in case our guys get hurt again because you know they like all the other pieces that they have on the offensive side. So I think that is the big news in the NFL today and somewhat of a surprise, at least from the reaction I saw on social media. I don't think many people saw that coming. Riley Reef, left tackle for uh, the Minnesota Vikings, also released. And I don't think many people saw that coming as well. Saves a lot of dollars for the Vikings. They, too, are up against the cap and uh, cap casualty. So now you have some name guys on the market to go along with Trent Williams, to go along with the idea, at least, although this has calmed down a bit. The Orlando Brown thought that he wants to go play left tackle and the Baltimore Ravens will move him. I haven't seen as many of those kind of rumors, which means maybe there's some noise behind the scenes and people are keeping it quiet. But now you got some guys available. And so the question at the start of the show is, did the Jags miscalculate this by giving Cam Robinson that franchise tag? I still say no, because nothing of what I just mentioned is guaranteed that the Jags get. Trent Williams, you could offer him a bunch of money, but he might go stay with San Francisco anyway if they offer him even a little bit less money. Fisher's hurt. Uh, So what is he going to look like? How much money are you going to give him? How much can you invest in him? Orlando Brown might cost too much. You just don't want to do it from a trade standpoint. I don't think the dollars, I'm talking about the trade value and what you have to give up. Jags maybe just don't want to do that. Riley Reese a bit interesting now because at times he's underperformed in Minnesota, but he's coming off a very nice year, according to the folks up in Minnesota. And so maybe that would have been an upgrade, would be an upgrade, could be an upgrade. And while it doesn't rule out the idea that the Jaguars could go after some of these guys, I think it's far-fetched that they will go after these guys. We had this conversation a little bit earlier. We had some comments like, well, hey, listen, Cam Robinson's been given the tag. He hasn't signed the tag. And until he signs the tag, the Jags could rescind the tag. I get it. I just don't think it's happening. I don't think that's good business. And I think organizations want to do good business. I think that matters to them. When you sit there in your Urban Meyer and you say, hey, we're doing everything for the player, everything for the player, we're going to be the best for the player, well, you can't go tag a guy and then rescind the tag, can you? I mean, sure, you can, but I just don't think that makes a lot of sense, especially to kick things off in your Jacksonville regime. sets a bad uh, tone and message to the locker room, and I think Austin probably would agree if he was here from a player's perspective. So I don't see that happening. And then I'll add one more thing to the Cam Robinson front when it comes to the tag. I'd go jump on this from Cam. 
I think this is one of the few times where the tag is a really good situation for the player. I think Cam Robinson could benefit greatly and handsomely in his pocketbook for uh, playing this year under the tag. First of all, it's going to be about $14 million, almost thirteen seven, guaranteed. And you go play and you have yourself a big-time year, and you earn a big-time contract. And one worth maybe eighteen, nineteen, twenty million a year if you play that well. So there's a lot riding on 2021 for Cam Robinson. I would go sign that sooner than later. And once he signs it, then I think the Jags are pretty much pot committed uh, to that left tackle position and Cam Robinson. I think they feel that way anyway. Although I just am not sure they saw this coming, with especially the Fisher move, but even the Reef move. Uh, and then, of course, we knew Trent Williams and maybe the possibility of Orlando Brown out there. So uh, interesting day when it comes to left tackles around the NFL. I think there's more available than some people thought. Remember, it's a draft that is very debatable on where the depth is on the offensive line, especially at left tackle. We don't say, like last year's draft, where you had like four guys that screamed superstar potential, left side or right side, Tristan Wirfs, by the way, being one of them, and he delivered. He's one of the best draft picks in recent memory based on the way he played, helped Tom Brady, helped the Bucks. But you can go to Mekhi Becton and others. that you had those possibilities in the top half of the first round. Not this year. You don't have that. It's one of the unique things about this year's draft is that outside of quarterback and receiver, and I'm going to put Kyle Pitts in the receiver category, you really don't have a lot of other guys of high value that you say, wow, that i got to go get that guy. There's no Chase Young, it feels like. I'll even go on like the Jeffrey Okuda or go back to like Jalen Ramsey. There's not that guy. There's not the Fournette possible top ten pick, the Ezekiel Elliott top five pick. doesn't feel like there's that guy. If you look at the draft, we're talking quarterbacks. We're talking receivers primarily. And then you can mix in the Patrick Sertans of the world and then, you know, other players. But no depth there. In the early part of the first round, we say, wow, i got to go invest in that and get that guy. And I'm going to wait a little bit later to get quarterback, receiver, whatever it might be um, for any team. I'm not just talking about the Jags. So I think that part of it is very interesting this year uh, from a line position. And, again, I think that's part of what you heard from Urban Meyer. Left tackle's a bit uncertain out there this off season, and I think he meant in part the draft, and that's why Cam Robinson uh, is in Jacksonville, and uh, maybe to stay for a long time if he plays his way into uh, an even a bigger deal along the way. So uh, that's uh, the news out of the NFL, really the biggest thing, is the uh, left tackle position. Florida Gators, by the way, went in the SEC tournament. Uh, some interesting news is a couple of players were uh, late to shoot around, so they didn't start, but the Gators do end up uh, getting the win. That's uh, It's SEC time. It's ACC time. Florida State moves on because Duke is out, COVID problems, so it's an easy one for the Florida Gator, uh, for the Florida State uh, men's basketball team. Florida uh, men's basketball team they get the win over Vanderbilt. Trey Mann, 22 points in the win for the Florida Gators, 69-63. to 63. So they can try to gain some momentum after a couple of losses last week, including one to Tennessee. I don't have a lot of high hopes for the Florida Gators in uh, March Madness. I have a lot more hope for Florida State. I said earlier in the show, and we had Noah on, if you look at the bracket, you're almost a little surprised by Joe Lenardi, who we had on last week. His latest bracketology this morning uh, had Florida State at like a five seed. 
I'd be really surprised if they dropped down to a five seed. I know that was a bad loss against Notre Dame, but come on, haven't they done enough? Uh, are they factoring in the North Carolina loss as well? Florida State continues to be way impressive to me. Still coming out of the ACC, one of the top teams in the ACC. I think they uh, have earned themselves more than a five seed. Maybe a win or two this week in the ACC tournament help, can help solidify that. But, uh, you know, listen, Joe Lenardi, his bracketology he does a great job, but it doesn't mean it's gospel. It doesn't mean they're going to end up with a five. I was just a little surprised there because I was thinking more three, maybe four at the worst, and potentially two at best for Florida State. But it certainly looks like, it sounds like they've played their way out of a two seed. Uh, now can they get back up to a three seed and uh, at worst four? I'd like to be there. I don't want to be in that 5-12 game. Historically saying you don't want to be in that 5-12 game, uh, a lot can go wrong uh, when it comes uh, to to that. So uh, that's the catch-up uh, on some basketball. Again, Duke out. Duke's going to miss the tournament, which is pretty wild. Uh, just a weird year in sports at times. Weird year in college basketball, too, with some of the Blue Bloods, Kentucky and Duke. North Carolina still isn't their old self, although they've had a, a better year than they did last year when it was uh, terrible. And uh, college basketball it has kind of flipped on its head in some parts, although the Big Ten is uh, really, really good. Brackets are coming out soon. Can't wait for that to happen. Soon enough. You want to jump in the show? <laughs> Surprise. We can have another guest on the show. <laughs> I won't tell you who that was. He didn't talk. He just made a visual appearance if you're watching on <laughs> Facebook, YouTube, and uh, Twitter as well. Then he hurried into another tent, some visitor that we just had. Uh, over here. Hey, let's take a timeout, Koo, so I can go beat that guy up. Uh, tell him to get out of our shot. And uh, we got a couple of segments to go here from the Players' Championship. Sergio Garcia, you know, this afternoon he was in the lead at 7-under. That was early this afternoon. After the morning wave, here we are, getting ready to put a bow on day one. And he's still got a multiple-shot lead here at the Players' Championship. What a round by Sergio Garcia, former Players' Champ, getting it done on Thursday. Can he continue to do it Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and be in contention all weekend long? He's off to a very nice start. Seven under and in the lead. Our Players' Championship coverage, live coverage from TPC Sawgrass, brought to you by Talent Wealth Management. We talk more football at five. Give you more updates from the Players' Championship. How's Jordan Spieth doing? Dustin Johnson. We'll give you an update on some of the scores next on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. How many push-ups did you do in three minutes? Did you try the challenge? Austin Lane. I don't, I don't need lactic acid build up when I'm in fight camp. Brent, you kidding me? Take my word for it. I've more than you. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Sergio, on the first hole, Webb and Roy were kind of laughing when you came jogging out. Were, were you just a little bit late, or were you... Were you running a little bit behind, or were you just? I thought I, uh, I thought I had plenty of time. Um, obviously, you know, I left the range at uh, 7:35. I was thinking off at 7:40, so I thought I figured, you know, it's going to take me probably two or three minutes most to, to to get to 10. I don't know if the <laughs> the clock on the on the range was behind or something, but uh, when I when I got to the to the putting green, uh, just like 50 yards short of 10, I kind of looked at it and and the sun was coming out, so I couldn't see if it was 7:38 or 7:39. So just in case, I, I just took a little stroll, uh, make sure that I got there before it turned to 40. Um, but I think I think it was I think it was just just about to turn to 7:39. So I, I actually had a little bit more time than, than I thought. Well, that was interesting, huh? Sergio Garcia was missing his tee time, or at least he thought he did. Uh, and Kuz, you just asked what happens if you miss your tee time. Uh, let me get uh, some clarification on that. 
I'm reading an article in Paul Casey. Oh, okay. Yeah, because does Back it count the, as like a disqualification or something? I don't know. Well, let me let me see. I, I think it's more penalized. Really? Uh, Paul Casey almost missed his seat time after believing it was 10 minutes later than it actually was. Kind of almost reminiscent a little bit of that. Um, his tea time was actually 10.27. He thought he was off at 10.37. Luckily for Casey, thanks to some running, he just about made the time, then proceeded to birdie the opening hole. But what happens if a player does miss their tee time? Rule 5.3a states the golfers must tee off at the exact time of their allotted tee time, no earlier or no later. If a golfer tees off less than five minutes early, they receive a general penalty, which is two strokes. It is the same if a golfer tees off less than five minutes later, too. However, if a golfer tees off more than five minutes earlier or later than the allotted tee time, the player is disqualified. So you get a five-minute window on each side. To tee off. Now this works perfect. I just want to tell Jimbo and Dipple and all these guys I play golf with that when I get to that dang tee at at number one at Southampton or St. John's Golf and Country Club, and we got a 7:40 tee time and I'm there at 7:39 or even 7:41, I'm fine. Give me a two-shot penalty. That doesn't matter. But I'm not disqualified like they want to suggest. It's a nice little five-minute window there. Could you imagine, though, if that was, like, your very first time playing TPC Sawgrass and you, like, slept in? I, I don't know how it doesn't happen more often, to be honest with you. You know, we've all been there. I, like, I kind of wonder how it doesn't happen even to me more often, knock on wood. You know, what, you know what happens now is so many people set their alarms on their phone. Like, that's what I do. Is that what you do? Uh, yeah, so actually yeah, that's something that was kind of funny with, with Nicole because obviously she's working a lot this week. And uh, and she's got to be in. I guess her thing is she wants to be in before. I guess they go through with the dogs to make sure everything's good because she's scared of dogs. So she plans to get to TPC at like three in the morning. But same problem. She she usually sets alarms on her phones. And I guess last night she woke up randomly in the middle of the night and realized her phone wasn't being charged and it was going to die and the alarm wouldn't have went off and that would have been a whole thing. Huh. So uh... so I woke up to her panicking and I was like, what's going on? <laughs> Well, some people are so trained, right? I mean, if you get up at 6 o'clock in the morning every day, that you just kind of wake up. You know, there, there is a certain time where, like, if I wanted to sleep till 11, I'm not going to. I'm going to get up, you know, just because I, I don't do that. But I don't sleep very well the night before when I know I have to get up at, like, 5 in the morning and go catch a plane or, or whatever it might be because I, I get up, like, two or three times to check. But so many people now set their alarm on their phone that this has happened to me where your phone um, updates during the night. And so I think sometimes when that happens, like your clock gets either reset or it yeah. goes off or it changes something around. And, like, I'm lucky I got up today because this thing wasn't going to go off. Uh, so I, I'm just surprised at, like, a, these kind of events. I was talking to Paul Tesori yesterday here on the show, and I asked him what what is his routine because him and Webb Simpson going off this morning at 740. He said he would get to the course about 6, Webb Simpson gets at 5.30. So they're giving themselves plenty of time, right? I mean, if you set your alarm for 5.30 and you're not waking up till 7.30, well, you you really missed it. But uh, it's plausible. And I guess I'm a little bit more surprised, Coos, that that doesn't happen more often in this sport. You're not going to get it in a lot of other sports. I mean, most of the sports are played at night. So unless a guy's taking a nap and just misses his nap and doesn't wake up, yeah. uh, which does happen, but... I'm just uh, maybe a little bit more surprised it doesn't happen in this sport, or maybe somebody's always calling, your caddy's always calling. What's the chances the caddy and the player doesn't, you know, get there on time? Uh, but uh, that Sergio thing was interesting. 
Yeah, and no, I thought it was funny, I guess, because he was saying that, you know, the the guys were waiting for him. They were laughing when they saw him come running up. So, <laughs> You know, it's these kind of stories that I, I think often, not all the time, end up with your name on the top of the leaderboard or near it. A lot of times, players who are Monday qualifiers or uh, the last alternate in, or a Sergio story where he's kind of like all over the place before his round comes out and does that. It's it's a wild thing that uh, yeah, I don't know if it just takes you away from everything that you were supposed to do to get ready and super focus and overanalyze, and or you're just happy to be there and play and, and you made it. So there's this like uh, satisfaction, but. It seems like we have these stories a lot in golf where uh, last guy in or something like Sergio's talking about, uh, they end up doing pretty well on the golf course. So uh, that was the case with Sergio Garcia. He's in the lead here at the Players' Championship after uh, round one. So far, not everybody's done here at uh, TPC Sawgrass. A couple more hours, well, about an hour more of golf most likely. We could get darkness before... We're able to finish this round. I'm trying to get an update on the scoreboard right now uh, on the leaderboard uh, here at the players. Come on, phone. Speaking of phones, uh, Sergio still with a two-shot lead. Brian Harmon is in the clubhouse now. He is finished. Uh, the top four guys have finished. Shane Lowry's still out on the course. He's three back. He's on number 16. So he's got a chance to uh, get it in the clubhouse and, and get a little closer to Sergio Garcia. Colin Morikawa now, 300 through 15. He'll be a, a favorite by many to win here. Uh Remember we had the sleeper pick yesterday, Zalatoris? Yeah. Well, he's three under par through twelve, tied for sixth. See, I, I did. I did. Was it? Was it? Was I the one that technically got that? You technically pick? Yeah. get that sleeper pick. Yeah, you technically get it. I did it. a lot of research for that. Uh, yeah, Jordan Spieth, by the way, two under through uh, sixteen, but not everybody is faring well. Bryson DeChambeau, one under through fifteen. That's certainly okay today. No problem with uh, that score. Uh, as you try to get to some other players. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood, two over through 12. Uh, a name you know there. Francesco Molinari, three over through 13. Uh, Kuchar finished today, four over 76. I'm trying to find Dustin Johnson and where he is at. Uh, there he is, two over after 15. Hey, ESPN did this kind of free agent free-for-all today, and there were some analysts suggesting where a free agent would end up. Which teams would go after, say, Shaq Barrett? How many teams would be in the mix? And where would Shaq Barrett eventually land? A long story short of this is the Jaguars made a play for a few players, included in this at least test, Trent Williams, which surprised me, but maybe it was written even a couple days ago and I just saw it. Uh, Or maybe the hay was already in the barn on the story before the franchise tag, one of the two. The Jags, at the end of this exercise, end up with Hunter Henry and Shaquille Griffin, cornerback of the Seattle Seahawks. And I came away feeling pretty good. (laughs) I was like, hey, that's not bad. You know, I I had two main targets in free agency if, if nobody got tagged. Leonard Williams, Justin Simmons. That's where I wanted the Jags to go. I thought Hunter Henry was going to get tagged, so I didn't even really consider him much. Jonu Smith, I knew most likely could be out there. I think we all did. So you have Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry. We've talked about it at length the last couple of days. you got to get one of those guys. 
It just feels like the Jags lose free agency if they don't get one of those guys. Well, in this exercise on ESPN, they get Hunter Henry. And I think people around here would be excited about that. I know it would come with criticism because of the injuries. There will be some doubt. That's why free agency works. But I think overall people would be excited about the idea of getting Hunter Henry next week in free agency for the Jacksonville Jaguars immediately makes that room where Urban Meyer said, hey, we've got to rebuild this thing. It makes it a lot better. I didn't think much about Shaquille Griffin. This isn't Shaquem Griffin now. It's Shaquille Griffin in Seattle. And he's a good corner. They ranked him as, I think, the 20th overall free agent on this list. But I think that would be good. I really like it. Uh, C.J. Henderson, to me, is still a major question mark, even though he's a top ten pick. we got to see more. We saw some flashes. Now the health is a little bit of an issue um, with the labrum. And so durability. But we didn't see enough to really make a good, like, hey, I like that. Right? We did not. We just didn't get that from C.J. Henderson. Griffin from Seattle to add to that secondary, a position of need, somewhere in the secondary, whether it's safety or corner, they need help there. And then to get Hunter Henry where you absolutely need help in the tight end room. I think if the Jags come away with those two guys, and again, this is like an exercise predicting. I'm not saying it's going to happen. But I do think it's feasible. Jags could be in play for both. And I really would feel pretty good about that if the Jags got both of those players. So I don't know how heavy... Urban Meyer, Trent Baalke, Shad Khan are going to go into free agency. How many A-list players uh, they are going to get. But I think if they walk away next week with a corner that can really be your number one corner until C.J. Henderson comes along and maybe outplays him. Uh, and Hunter Henry, who's your no-doubt big free agent, tight end to to really add to that room and you keep your fingers crossed on injuries – if that happened, I think everybody would be pretty happy about that. Uh, and so that would be something to consider uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I wonder if they'll be in play on those. i got to believe they're in play on Hunter Henry. Like, that is going to be the worst-kept secret. Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry, we, we almost like, you, you know they're in play. And Hunter Henry might come with a little bit of a buyer beware, well, a lot of bit of buyer beware because of the injuries. And so I don't know how bulky and, and Urban Meyer are going to treat that, a guy with an injury history. So maybe Jonu Smith becomes the bigger focal point. That could make sense to me. I could see the logic. But Hunter Henry and, and uh, Shaquille Griffin there from Seattle, I would walk away from the early stages of free agency feeling pretty good about the Jaguars uh, if that happened. We're going to take one more break here at the Players' Championship. We're at TPC Sawgrass. Our players' coverage brought to you by Talent Wealth Management. When we come back, we play a little audio roulette, as Coos calls it. We try it next on ESPN 690 here at the Players at the Stadium Course in Ponte Vedra. Hey, welcome back to the Players' Championship. TBC Sawgrass, Brett Martineau. Flying solo in this 5 o'clock hour. We do football at 5 a bunch. We just talked Hunter Henry and Shaquille Griffin. Would you like that in free agency? I kind of liked it. Again, this was a little exercise ESPN did. I saw it today. It might have come out even a, a yesterday or so. But uh, I liked it. I kind of liked the, the way that shook out. And if it does, 
that would be, I think, a win for the Jaguars in that sense, especially uh, given who has been tagged and what else might be out there. Uh, Jags can certainly use help in the tight end room. We know how important it is. Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith, you got to get one of them. Certainly feels that way. I hate to put all the eggs in that basket, but it just feels that way here in Jacksonville. And we've talked about it really all week here on the show. Brett Martineau. Uh, here at the players, Sergio Garcia in the lead by a couple of shots as everybody finishing up their first round on just a beautiful day here at TPC Sawgrass. And I know you've heard it a lot. I know everybody who's talking about the players who's been out here, uh, radio, TV, wherever, social media, they all say it's, it is. <laughs> all right. It's just absolutely gorgeous. This is just a tremendous weather week uh, here at the players, and, and the play has been pretty good. Uh, as well, although tough, because, even though there's not a lot of wind, uh, it's really a bit surprising. The, the the locations of the pins are close to the edges of the greens, and uh, that is probably what hurt a lot of players today and kept some of the scores down, although some people didn't mind it. Sergio Garcia certainly didn't mind it. He is 7-under and fired a uh, 65. Our Players' Championship coverage brought to you by Talon Wealth Management. We want to remind you, too, hey, 25% off the Dream 18 card. Help yourself out. Get discounted golf. Get free things from Smoothie King, Baker Sports, Dome Hats, and uh, other discounted um, merchandise at Palm Beach Autographs in the Avenues Mall. You can do that as well. Uh, So help yourself out. Support local business. Support local golf courses. Support charities, too, with our Dream 18. All you got to do is go to ESPN690.com and uh, purchase the Dream 18 card. And this week only, to celebrate the players, it's 25% off. So you only have a few more days to do it. Now until Sunday, uh, that will uh, be on ESPN690.com, the Dream 18 card. Go ahead, purchase it, check it out, have fun with it. Uh, all right, Coos, we're going to do a little audio roulette. Uh, you guys tried sure. this apparently a few weeks ago, so you know how this game works. Tell everybody. Yeah, all I'm going to do is just hit you with some audio, and then we uh, talk about it afterwards, essentially. All right, let's see what we got. Do all I right. have to guess who it is? Uh, no, I'll tell you who it is. Like this first one we're going to be uh, is it's Woj, and it's from a year ago, which I think is kind of interesting. There's so many scenarios in play, everything from testing that may need to go on now, among other players. Brian Windhurst is reporting that the other players from teams, you know, including Boston, Cleveland, uh, Detroit, who've come in contact in recent games uh, with Utah, those players may get tested. And there's other players who may have come in contact with them away from the court. So uh, that's got to happen. And there are a lot of people from the league office team side, uh, television uh, getting together to figure out what, you know, essentially uh, the contingency plans look like for the rest of the season. Uh, that is Woj a year ago and March 11th, pretty significant date, right? A year ago with the pandemic and the coronavirus, COVID-19, shutting down sports, led with the NBA, Rudy Gobert, and uh, then the NBA said, hey, we're done. And uh, the NBA will always be a big part of the story on COVID-19, how they handled it. I think Adam Silver, in conjunction with the players and the communication and transparency they had, so helpful throughout. The bubble seemed to work. Uh, the bubble was efficient and effective. It was a challenging year for the NBA. The Lakers end up uh, winning the NBA championship, and that doesn't hurt the league either. Uh, this, uh, I think, overall... Nothing is, I don't know if good is a word you can use in relationship to the last year in sports, and especially when in relationship to COVID-19 coups, but I think overall the NBA has, has been a leader on the sports front and uh, will go down in history as a big part of the story. Well, yeah, and, and ESPN's done a big bunch of stories. Uh, I, was, I think I was watching it 
Maybe it would have been on Sunday on Rudy Gobert and his rise to essentially making the all-star game last year and then being on this total high mark and then just absolutely getting torn down and essentially being the face of COVID because he was the first player to test positive. And then obviously he had that situation where he was jokingly touching the microphones, which put it in a, a weird light for him. So it was an interview with him and just kind of everything that was going on. And he kind of gave it from his perspective, saying that he actually the, the public found out before he found out that he tested positive. I think overall, though, the NBA coming across positive in the mm-hmm, COVID-19 yes. year, right? Yeah, Oh, yeah, I, I would say so. And and now I think everyone's like at first everyone was kind of mad at, at Gobert and then it kind of went away. Like I think yeah. it was just because he was the first that that's just always going to be something he'll be tied to, you know? Well, yeah, and you got to take a look back. There was so little information. You know, Rory McIlroy said this week, he said, if you go back a year ago and you get on site like Monday, Tuesday of that week and people are like fist bumping and using Mm -hmm. their elbows and they're like, this is weird. What are you guys doing? Yeah. And then three days later, they're like, whoa, okay, we're shut down. Like it happened that quickly that you're like, what is this thing? Like you think about it, like you said, I mean, we were we were in the crowd for the chain smokers. And then like, what, three, four days later, it was like, don't be within six feet of somebody. That's right. Uh, Exactly right. All right. Spin that audio roulette wheel. Yeah, this one's going to be Jay Williams talking about uh, Duke basketball. It's a massive blow and it's a culmination of a year full of frustration between contact tracing Coach K was one of the first to play, first to say, excuse me, that he didn't know if we should even have a season based upon what he saw go through with football. Obviously, everybody's trying to forge through, and you forge through to get to the shiny star at the end of the road, right? One shining moment, which is the NCAA tournament. And plus, considering the way they had played against Boston College, the way they had played the other night and finding ways to win that game um, against a Louisville team that beat them twice, they felt like they were becoming the best version of themselves. So for it to happen with them to have this kind of momentum at this time is obviously very challenging. But I I think this is something that we're going to be seeing a lot of, not only in March Madness, but as the NBA continues to forge through, as the weather continues to get better, you're going to have these little moments that pop up, and it's your ability to put out that fire as quickly as possible and do the right thing at the same time. That's Jay Williams. I don't know if Duke has ever had a more trying year. Uh, it, and I'm sure they have. It just doesn't feel like they have. I, I mean, this is this has been a strange year from exactly what Jay Williams said. You know, Coach K got some criticism about shutting down the program for a bit, and I don't even know if we should be playing. Uh, we're going to wait till conference play. And then uh, Jalen Johnson, we talked about with Noah earlier in the show, uh, you know, that hurt him, but then actually almost made him better. It was like addition by subtraction in a weird way. And now this, that they, they can't even make a run at the NCAA tournament. I don't know if they're going to get there anyway. I think Florida State probably beats them today. They're just not good. They're not good enough. But that you want the chance to make a run to get into the dance, especially if you're on the outside looking in, and Duke wasn't able uh, to get that. So tough year for Duke, no doubt about it. But you know what? Nobody's feeling bad for Duke. They've had plenty of good years, Cruz. Yeah, no, that's true. And and it's just wild. I mean, obviously, from, from our standpoint, like we were ready to air that game here on ESPN, and obviously that that's going to change. We're still airing the um, – the game they they moved it up. I I, I forget who it was. Uh, West Virginia and and North Carolina, I believe. So they moved a little bit of the ACC tournament up because they won't have that game at six thirty. Yes, we're, uh, so we're we'll have at, that on ESPN six ninety at at eight p.m. I know we're uh, we're starting that broadcast. So uh, here's another clip. This one's from uh, Ron Rivera talking about what the uh, Washington football team is going to do in the draft. If the quote unquote 
franchise guy isn't out there, um, you know, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to go with guys that we believe give us a chance to win. And, uh, and that's really what you do. You know, do you want to be able to say, this is our franchise quarterback? Well, yeah, you would love to, but you don't know that until the quarterback starts playing or quarterbacks. And once that happens, then you'll know. And so we just got to continue to go through this, study the players and, and get the one that we feel uh, can become that player. And we'll see what happens. Well, we're spinning the audio roulette wheel right now. It sounds like Ron Rivera and Washington are going to spin the QB roulette wheel. And they, listen, they got to get somebody in. It didn't work with Dwayne Haskins. I like his mentality. I don't think you stand pat. You go see what you got. You can't give up on a guy too early either. But you're in this business. You know. You have a feel. If you have doubts and you don't think, you move on. If you don't think that guy's going to work, you move on. Uh, and that's where I think a lot of teams get in a pickle. Again, do we applaud Arizona for doing that? Probably. Josh Rosen, it's not like he's out of the league, but he's not playing. Kyler Murray was in the MVP talks early last year. That was a good move to move on, and they noticed it right away. Should Miami do that with Tua? Is Washington right by doing that with Dwayne Haskins and already moving on? You know, sometimes you can pull the plug too early, but probably more often than not, what you learn in the first year, two years, heck, maybe even six months, is probably a pretty good opinion of of that player. I think there are exceptions, and one exception might even be like Derek Carr and what he's doing now with the Raiders. Even the first, what felt like the first impression from uh, uh, John Gruden, and now their relationship seemingly has grown, where so much so Mike Mayock saying he's one of the better quarterbacks in the league. So I think there are exceptions. You got to give guys time, but uh, you got to keep spinning that wheel until you get it right. Well, that's a little audio roulette here on a uh, Thursday edition of Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. That's my first time playing the game. I like the game. Let's bring it back tomorrow, Coos. Deal. All right. Nice job, Coos. Juggling a lot these days. I appreciate all your efforts. Probably feel like you're fighting and you're not even in a cage. I don't know about that. Coos, are you coming out to the players at all this week? I'm not, honestly. I was thinking about it and just I mean, you have really connections. submitted for a media ticket. You have connections, Coos. I know. Those uh, those are those connections are dried up this uh, this week. <laughs> it is interesting. I had somebody call me this morning. They're like, hey, you have tickets? I'm like, no, sorry, I don't. Like, we don't. It's just so different this year. Uh, and the people that bought tickets early, like, they paid for their tickets and, and paid a premium. So... If you're asking me for tickets, I don't have them. I apologize. Just not getting it done for you. But that's a little bit different. In years past, we had a good amount of tickets to be able to give away and uh, and unload. It's a little different of a feel to the players, but it was such a beautiful day. We got some good golf. Sergio Garcia is in the lead. And we can't wait for round two coming up on Friday. We'll be back at it right here at the Players' Championship. Our live players' coverage brought to you by Talon Wealth Management. Big thanks to Coos, all our Action Sports Shacks guys, and Noah Schlick's up for stopping by. He was awesome from 3 to 5. If you missed him, the 14-year-old's pretty good, man. He's going to have my job someday and probably a bigger one down the road. Go check it out on the Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 podcast. You can subscribe to that and listen back to the show anytime. Hope you have a good rest of the night. Make sure you check us out on TV, CBS 47 and Fox 30, with our Players' Championship coverage coming up later tonight. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.